Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. My uh, oldest, or not my oldest, one of my, uh, my dad had his 85th birthday a couple of weeks ago, oh, wow. yeah, which is really cool. And uh, it's one of the few times when I get to see some of my cousins. And although this was, this was really discouraging, I'm one of the younger cousins. And this time when all my cousins got together, all they talked about how old they were and how much pain they were in. Uh, and I decided I, I don't want to hang around with them anymore. Uh, but one of my cousins, uh, her, her grandson her, uh, goes to uh, a Christian school in Abbotsford. And she was talking to me because he didn't grow up, grow up in a Christian home. My cousin uh, isn't, isn't following God. Her kids aren't uh, raising their kids as Christian. But their one son is in this Christian school. And uh, she said, well, how do you, you, know, how do you uh, handle that? Like, how do you enjoy that? He's there for the basketball. And of course. And uh, she said, well, how do you, how do you handle the, like, the religion classes? The faith? He said, well, actually, I don't mind the classes. I just don't like the teacher. I mean, that sounds like normal school, but uh, she says, you know, why do you like the teacher? Well, she said, because, uh, Harry said, because when I, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, like I don't understand what he's talking about. When I ask him, he gets mad at me, he gets mad at me for asking the questions. I don't know about you, but I have actually sometimes felt in church like I couldn't ask those questions. And in my whole heart, I've always wanted to have a church where you could ask those questions because if you can't ask them here, where can you ask them, right? And we can ask them. So we're going to talk about money today. Are you excited yet? We're going to talk about money. We're going to, talk, we're going to throw this thing right up at the top, and mostly what I'm going to talk about is this subject that nobody wants to talk about is called tithing. Everybody go, boo. No, don't, don't, go, don't, don't boo me yet, all right? Don't boo me yet. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at a bunch of different kind of things in the Bible as we talk about it. So Here's, here's let, me, let me just give you a full, quick definition. When we talk about tithe, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 10% of our income that we're giving away. Okay, so if you're a business person, that's your net income. If you're working in a, you know, if you're selling stuff, that's your, your gross profit, your, your profit. If you're going to work, it's what you're, uh, what you're earning. Okay, just kind of clarify that. But we can, you can ask questions as we go. Don't, don't hesitate, all right? I'm not, as I'm telling you, I'm not really put off by questions. And sometimes I don't have answers, but uh, I, get put off, I don't get put off by those questions. And uh, so when we talk about tithing in relation to church, money's a, you know, many, money's a sensitive subject, yeah. mm-hmm. right? The only time it's not sensitive is when we're spending it at a store, yeah. right? right? You, you go to the store and you look at all the stuff that you're going to buy, and then you don't even think twice about paying for it. Well, maybe some of you did, but you don't anymore now that you follow Jesus. But, you know, uh, you don't really think twice about what you're paying. You may go, well, it's more expensive or whatever, but you're happy to part with the money. But when it comes to freely giving, then it's like, hmm, I'm not sure. So I don't know why, why it is that we get that way about, you know, tithing and giving into uh, a church or giving into God's purpose. We go like, oh, they're always asking for money. I, I've never heard anybody say when they go to a store, hey, do they ever say when they, order your, when they order one of your cards? In fact, I saw this cool card in Vancouver the other day, and I was pretty sure it was one of yours. And uh, they don't ever say, you know what? You know, it really bothers me that you're asking for money. Yeah, I get to drive this card home, but it really bothers me you're asking for money. We don't do that. We just kind of, in this one area, free giving. Because it's not just money, it's more than that. 
It's, it's a spiritual, it's a, it's a uh, obedience action that costs us something, not just financially, but also costs us something spiritually. Because it's more than just a experience. So I want to take you back to kind of where we start off with this. Back in the Old Testament, if you're taking notes, you can follow this along. Uh, I'm going to look at just a couple of verses here. Le- uh, Leviticus chapters 27, verse 30 to 33. And before you say that's Old Testament, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but just follow with me. Uh, Leviticus 27:30 says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus an additional 20%. Uh, so let me, let me just, before I go a little bit, just let me throw this idea out. If you're not giving it to God, it costs you 20% more. Wow. Let that settle for a little bit, okay? Uh, count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord is holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals, and you may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I don't think verses are going up on the screen, so, you know, sorry. Uh, You have to kind of pay attention. And this is a new international version. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So let let me back this up for just a minute. God had... Uh, this is Old Testament. It's talking about God's relationship with a nation called Israel. Started off with a man by the name of Abraham, and I'm, I'm assuming some of you know this story. Abraham, God chose Abraham. So he made a special agreement with Abraham. He called it a covenant. A covenant is not simply a contract. It's stronger than that because it's a relational agreement. And in that relational agreement with Abraham, God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you. I want to be your God. Understand in the context of that day, there were uh, lots of different nations, lots of different people. They all had their own little gods just like we do today. We have gods of entertainment. We have gods of work. We have gods of, you know, all, all, we make gods of our money. We make gods of all sorts of things. And he said to Abraham, he said, look, I, I, I'm making an agreement with you that I'm going to bless you. And you got to understand that first, that God came to Abraham and said, I want to bless you. None of the rest of it makes sense if you don't get that. Okay, God, I want to bless you. And so through Abraham, God said, not only do I want to bless you, I want to give you lots of kids. I want to make a whole nation out of you. And that whole nation, I want to have a covenant with. I want to bless them. I want to be their God. And I want to give them and supply them. And I want to love them. And I want to be for them. And that whole nation. So and in addition to that, God says to Abraham, he said, but not only that, that nation, through that nation, I want, through that nation, through you, I want to be a blessing to the entire world. Wow. Yeah. Right. Okay? So there's this whole process that Abraham gets from God, this covenant. Sometimes we call it the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? And in that covenant. So we can, we can follow along a little bit later, but when we get to Leviticus and Malachi, here's, here's what's happening is God saying, okay, I'm going to love you, and it would be good if you respond to that. Okay with that? Husbands, love your wife, and you hope your wife responds to that. Wives, you love your husbands, and you hope your husband responds to that. Is that that fair? Is that legit? 
Like, I mean, is that okay? You know, if you're, your kids, you love your kids, and you kind of hope they respond to that instead of just ignore it. But you love them first. Right? And what they do is not to get your love. It's a response to your love. And see, that's sometimes where we get a little mixed up in the Old Testament. We read the Old Testament, and we go like, this is what everybody had to do to get God's favor, God's approval. Not. This is what people do who have God's favor. They act this way. Right? I, I, don't, I don't act a certain way towards my wife so she loves me. I act that way because she loves me. Right? And, and so often we get this exchange mixed up in relationships where we're trying to, you know, we're trying to earn somebody's love when in fact we already have it and we just need to respond to that love. We go through our life trying to, trying to get God's favor or God's love, but the fact is he's already loved us. And the New Testament says we love him because he first loved us. All right? Are you with me so far? We're okay? You say, yeah, I haven't got the money yet, so we're doing good. All right? <laughs> All right. Right? So out of this covenant then in Leviticus and then in Malachi, God's saying, he said, this is how people who are receiving my love demonstrate it back to me. This is how people who are loved behave. Right? Like in, in relationships, you talk about husbands and wives, say, hey, this is how a husband who is loved behaves towards his wife. This is how a wife who is loved behaves towards her husband. It's so much about love and covenant in the Bible. In fact, that's the whole theme of it because the book is about God and God is love. So it's all there. It's in everything. So in this covenantal relationship, God says, in a covenantal relationship, there's something going on between you and me. I maybe just back up for one second. I said this is all Israel, but when we get into the New Testament, we understand that Jesus not just, uh, not just fulfilled the requirements of law, right. which we said were actually responses to how we did it. He's also the fulfillment of the promise. And I, I don't have the time today to take you through all this, but if we could go right from Genesis right through all the way to the last book in the New Old Testament, Malachi, we'd see that there's something going on here, that God is making this constant promise that not only will I bless the whole world through Israel, but it gets more specific the more you read through the Bible. Suddenly it becomes, hey, it's going to be through the line of a particular guy by the name of David. So he's going to go through this, and then it's going to be in, uh, it's going to uh, allow people from all different nations to become part of it. And as it goes through that, then we find that Jesus actually fulfills the promise. Okay, when you read the New Testament, it talks about Jesus fulfilling the law. You need to understand that. It says he's fulfilling the promise that God has been given all along. Here is the fulfillment of the promise. It's not negating how we live towards God. It just fulfills the promise. You with me so far? Did I lose you in that? You with me? I'm looking at faces just to make sure you're nodding a little bit. And like not, not nodding consistently. Uh, you know, just nodding in, in, in agreement, approval. Uh, right? So, so. In that, then, is this, this idea that as a covenantal people, so God has a covenant with us. Yeah. i just try to quickly bring through that. Same covenant of Abraham applies to us today. Yeah. Okay, we'll twist it and turn it a little bit, but just understand that. So because we are covenantal people, we are in covenant to God, we still respond to God out of love, and we respond to that in a certain way. One of those ways is we tithe. Now, something about tithe that's really important, because I, I think tithe, 
and I, I just have this feeling I'm going to talk too long, so I'm going to condense this, and we'll make this into, you know, a, a seven-month series next year, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I lost that when I went to seven months theories. <laughs> um, so in, in that covenant, we give. Now, there's, there's another principle that's really tied together to tithe in the Old Testament, and it's one that we also don't like. We don't like the tithe principle, and we don't like this other one. It's called the Sabbath. Because the reason we don't like the Sabbath is because Sabbath is a, is a declaration that I actually trust God to take care of me. Right. The, the Sabbath is an interesting thing because there were so many Sabbaths. And when I say Sabbath, that was the one day of the week that God said, don't do anything to earn income. Yeah. You know, can you go play sports? Sure, as long as you're not a professional or a wannabe. Uh, yeah, just kidding. All of us are one of these. And, uh, but it's, so, so the whole idea of the Sabbath is saying, okay, God, you're taking care of me. We're partnering together on this, and I'm working six days, but there's got to be one day when I stop and say, you know what? Enough's enough. If you don't trust God, you'll keep, you won't keep the Sabbath. Right, because it's a trust issue. How do we respond to somebody who loves us? We trust them. If somebody loves me, I trust them, and so I actually I'm not I can't do this. Interesting. Some of you may have heard the story in the Old Testament when the the nation of Israel, Abraham's descendants, were wandering around in a wilderness for about forty years, and there wasn't really any food. It was a bit of a desert, and so God provided for them miraculously with something called manna. Anybody heard that? Wave at me. Okay, four of you, uh, six, it's growing, it's increasing. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the revelation is coming. <laughs> manna, okay. Interesting thing about manna is manna only showed up how many days? Six. Only six days. So the first time manna showed up, six days, do you know what happened to a bunch of people? They got to the seventh day, and they went out looking for it, the same as they had the last six days, and there was nothing there. They went hungry and complained some more, you know, because they didn't realize. Here's what God said to them. He said, I I want you to, I'm going to send this manna to you, but it's not going to come on the seventh day. Do you think that was by accident? I mean, not going to happen on the seventh day because I need you to learn how to trust me because I love you. You don't trust somebody if you don't know they love you. Right? So I want you to learn that I love you, and I want you to learn how to trust me. So here's what I'm going to do. Six days manna, but on the sixth day, I'm going to give you a double amount, so pick up twice. So every day, pick it up. He said, don't try to do that any other day. Like on Monday, don't pick up twice, because it'll just go moldy. Don't get double, it'll go moldy. Only enough for every day. Does that not sound like something that Jesus taught, Lord? taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Daily bread, because it's a trust thing, right? So six days, you're picking up going every day. I have, what do you have to do? You have to trust God every day, and then the last day, you've got to trust God that the next day, there'll still be enough. It's no wonder that the writer in, uh, in Proverbs could say that, you know, it's just not, doesn't make sense to work hard, 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 and extra hours and all those things just to earn money. Yeah. 
because then you're not acknowledging God's provision for you. So there's this trust theme that's going in there. And I won't, I won't go into all the other things that I could talk about in, in here, but uh, let me just give you just a, a really quick run through. They had a, the, the Israelites had a seven-year kind of cycle of how they tithed. So not only did they only work six days a week to earn income, they gave away, back into the house of God, 10% of that. Starting to see the diminishing returns, you know, to, less to live on. So the first year, in addition to this, so the first year they'd give away tithe. Second year, year two, they gave away 10%. They give back into the temple 10% or back in the tabernacle, back into the worship. And then the second year, here's what the, or the third year, sorry. Third year, in Deuteronomy 26, verse 12 says, every third year you must offer a special tithe of your crops. In this year of the special tithe, you must give your tithes to the Levite foreigners, orphans, and widows so they will have enough to eat in your town. So year three, commentators are a little mixed on this, but most commentators uh, think that what this really meant is on the third year, you gave the regular 10%. So say you made you know, $100,000 where you're giving away $10,000. The third year, you're giving away an extra $10,000, so now you're giving $20,000. So first year, you live on $90,000. The second year, you live on $90,000. third year, you live on $80,000. Well, except for the fact that when you give to God, it just kind of increases because there's a whole thing increased going on, so it doesn't happen that way. So then, and then you go back to the fourth year, and you tie 10% again. The fifth year, you tie 10% again. Sixth year, you tie the 10% plus 10%, so 20%. You're going like, this is getting a little really crazy. Well, guess what? It gets even worse. The seventh year, according to the Bible, the seventh year, they couldn't do any work. Because it was a year of returning everybody who were enslaved, were set free. It was the seventh year was considered a, a land. And here's, here's the interesting thing is on the seventh year, because they were farmers, they, were, they tilled the land. They said on the seventh year, you can't plant crops because the ground needs a rest too. Are, are you getting, there's some disparity between kind of how we handle our finances to what God said to these people who he particularly loved and asked them to respond in trust and love towards him? There's a, there's, a, there's a couple other things that I'll just kind of point out is in, in addition to that, in addition to that, every um, Israelite was required to lend money to a fellow Israelite to anybody who needed it. Didn't matter what your credit score was. And you couldn't charge interest. As well... If you did lend something to somebody and they didn't pay it off after seven years, you wrote it off. Wow. Incidentally, uh, Jewish people still practice all of this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as well, if you, as well, if you were a farmer, you, you weren't allowed, so, you know, and, and have you ever seen a big field, you know, where you're getting grain off it or whatever? You know, you, normally, we, I don't know why we do it. It's always square, right? It's always square. They were never allowed to actually harvest the grain in the corners. It was written into their law. You can't harvest the grain in the corners because anybody who doesn't have money or doesn't have their own fields was allowed to come in there and take that. It sounds a little different from our system where we get as much as we can. 
But again, let me come back. What is the point? Why is this happening? It's because these were people who God loved, and in response to God's love, he wanted them to trust him that he was taking care of everything so that money and all those things did not become a God to replace him. Right, you with me? Does it make sense? Okay. So the first reason, first reason that we tithe is really out of the commitment to covenant. It's out of the trust. And I'm going to go through the other couple of reasons really quickly. Second, second thing is tithing showed or demonstrated your commitment to community. Commitment to community of worship. We, we live in, whether we understand or not, we live in a pretty individualistic nation, yeah. society, culture. Um, most things are, are geared towards our personal selves. But it's interesting to me that when, when we look at the Bible in a broader perspective, and especially as we walk through the Old Testament, we understand in the New Testament that we all make a personal response to God, but God makes a response to us not only personally, but also corporately. Yeah. Also in a, in a larger community context, because God... Yes, he called Abraham, but the promise to Abraham is, Abraham, you'll be a community. Right. Yeah. You'll be a community of faith. You'll be a nation of faith. And, and I think, generally speaking, it gets really hard for us in our Western world to always grasp kind of what's in the Bible because it's hard to grasp this idea that, that God also not only blesses us individually, but there's also this commitment to us in a, in a larger group yeah. sense. I just spent the last week in the United States, and uh, it's even harder for them to grasp it than it is for us here, because they're very individualistic, and uh, <laughs> very individualistic, and, uh, you know, in, in the sense of, you know, why should my money pay for somebody else who ha doesn't work as hard as me? Uh, it, it would be hard to reconcile. I'm going to be careful here. Just, uh, you know, leave that. Um, so in, in the constants of the Old Testament is this, is this sense that God also wants to bless us community, so he provides on a community basis. So I don't know if you caught it, but there's this, there's this thing that happens. So Numbers chapter 18, 21 to 24, he says, As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I'll give them tithes from the entire land. Uh, we won't go into all that, but that's, that's just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, and going on, it says, from now on, no Israelites except priests or Levites, may, Levites may, may approach the tabernacle. If they come too near, they'll be judged guilty and will die. Only the Levites may serve in the tabernacle. Uh, let me just skip down just a little bit. The Levites will receive no allotment of land among the Israelites because I've given them the Israelites' tithe, which they have been presented as sacred offerings to the Lord. This will be the Levites' share. That is why I said they would receive no allotment. There's actually a, a parallel verse in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Before I read this, I just say this. Uh, how we have set up our church at C3 Church, I don't set my salary. Okay, I don't. Uh, and, and just so you know, when you tithe, the money doesn't go to me. The money goes into the church, and we have a separate board of directors that sets tithes and budgets and all those kinds of things, which is why I don't really have a problem talking about this, because I'm not directly benefiting. And the reason I think that a lot of people don't talk about it, uh, pastors don't talk about it in church, is because it feels like they're personally benefiting by talking about it. I don't. Uh, we could take up a $45,000 million offering this morning, and unfortunately, my 
salary wouldn't change. So it doesn't matter how good I preach this, I can't get a wage increase out of this message. All right? Just saying. All right? Just saying. But uh, there, there is still this thing that happens. So, so remember, when we give, we're giving in response, a trust response to a God who already loves us. And so here's what Paul writes in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18. He says, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain in another place. Those who work deserve their pay. So there is, there is uh, something that goes on there in response. Can, can I... Can I really meddle? Have, have I meddled enough? I, I, nobody's feeling meddled with this morning, right? Nobody's feeling, no, no, no uncomfortable spots. Nobody's got up and left under the excuse that the kids need to get picked up. Um, nobody's done that. Uh, let, let, let me just say this. If you're part of this church, your tithe is not your time. So I, I hear people say sometimes, well, I'm tithing my time. Actually, I don't even think that's true. Because that, that would mean you have, to, you have to give in service to the church or in, in part of that. Well, let's see, what's 2.4 times 7? Uh, you know, um, it's, 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 it's like a full day and a half. Uh, that's, not, that's not it, right? It's, that's not what God intended, right? We, we contribute, we do give financially, and if you're part of this church, let me just say this, yes, I'm a medal, and yes, it's going to be direct. If you're here, you should be giving something financially out of what you have, not out of what you don't have, okay? No credit card uh, debt, none of that, because that's a response to, I trust God, and God already loves me, yeah. and I'm part of this community, okay? Just saying that. Um, you can talk to Pastor Josiah if you're mad about it later. He'll be back next week. Um, <laughs> so, so, first of all, it's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's a trust and covenant. But it's also our commitment to community. We're part of this. Um, have you ever, when I, when I was in high school, you know, there was a few of us who would hang around together, but there was always that one person who didn't have their wallet. Uh, there's a word, you know, we don't use, but so that, that's kind of in some ways, that's the same when we come to church and say, I, I'm not contributing, I'm just taking. And, and the reason I'm just being strong on this is because in our Western world, we have a consumer mentality in the church, and we have a consumer culture in our world where we take and we take, and then we're unhappy. Somebody said to me one time, he said, the, the, <laughs> the cheapest seats yell the loudest. Um, <laughs> they, they complain the most. Um, but, you know, I just saying that to say, hey, if you're part of it, can, be part of it. Yeah. Right? As soon as you do that, you're going to say, man, my, my commitment to this changes. Yeah. Right? This is my body. This is my, my community. This is where I go. So uh, that's it. The third, the third reason we tithe is, um, is that we continue to bless the world. Let me uh, just take you to Deuteronomy 26.12. Every third year, you must offer a special tithe of your crops. In this year of the special tithe, you must give your tithes to the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows, so that they will have enough to eat in your towns. Uh, I, you know, let me just talk about our church. 
Um, we set aside of all of our income that comes in, we actually set aside a full tithe of that that goes somewhere where we don't use it. So, you know, whatever is given in gifts and offerings. And just so you know, all of our money as a church doesn't come in from tithes and offerings. We also have some rental properties and we earn income in ways that most churches don't. But we take one-tenth of that and we set that aside, so we give that away to something over which we're not, we don't have control. So last year, last year we sent uh, $30,000 to Ukraine to help churches, local churches in the Ukraine meet the needs of local people in the Ukraine. Amazing. We couldn't go there, we can do that, but we all did that together, yeah. right? We all did that together. Um, right now we have somebody in our church who is going through a really, really difficult um, um, ordeal with their daughter who is 17 years old, has cancer. They're having to essentially live down in Vancouver at the, uh, at the children's hospital for the next few months because of the aggressiveness of this. And uh, we've just been able to say, hey, don't worry. So they've had to take a leave of absence from work. Don't worry. Your rent's paid. Your, your payments are taken care of. We did that. Right. That's that's right. So we, we, we do those things. And, I, and, you know, I'm not talking about it to brag. There's no bragging on that. But you need to know what you're part of. Yeah. Right. We're not. We're, this isn't just us about accumulating things. Right. This is about us doing being what, what, what are we supposed to be a blessing to the world. Right. But yet I know churches that can't do those things because the church is consuming everything, right? And so we give into that. And so I just want you to know that, right? So why do we tithe? We tithe first of all, foremost, and I want you to hear this before everything else, it's because it is a loving response to a loving God. Yeah. I trust you. Yes, you gave me all of this. And this is just my reminder to you and me that it's all yours, but God, I give this back to you. Yeah. It's a trust issue, same as why we take tithe. It's a, it's a reminder that we're in the same community. I contribute, but it's also a way in which together we bless the world around us. When we were at the Powerhouse Theater, Powerhouse Theater was very kind to us, so we bought all sorts of sound equipment, which we left there. Right? We just blessed them. Right? One of the, and let me just conclude with this, and, and I'm going to turn it back to, to Taylor to conclude the service, but one of the things that I, I, I always have wanted to be part of a church, and I am part of a church, that doesn't get known in the community for always wanting discounts and wanting stuff taken away and wants stuff for free. And you may, over the course of time, you may discover that that's kind of a little different about us because I, I, we pay taxes. I don't know if you know, but churches get exempt from taxes. Um, but you have to apply for it, so we don't apply for it. We own, a, we own a building in Revelstoke, one of our first locations, our first location. And it's a commercial property. It's right downtown. And, and uh, we pay, I think last year we paid $40,000 in taxes. We could have applied for an exemption. Yeah. And we said if we apply for an exemption, what we're really doing is we're taking away from our city rather than giving to it. Wow. And, and so we made that decision. It's actually ironic because about three years later, because the, the treasurer of the city came to our church, came to us and said, uh, the city council wants to know why you're not getting an exception. <laughs> we said, because we don't want one, because we don't want to take away from the city. We want to give to the city, right? We want to be a church 
that is always contributing to our community. And we never want to be known as a church that wants something from the community. We want to give to our community. We can't do that unless we trust God in covenant and we're givers. You get that? Does that all make sense? Man, I didn't get too many questions out of that. I didn't see too many angry looks. I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I don't want to preach this anywhere else. I'll just keep preaching it here. It's like, come oh, on. It's good. Hey, let me pray. And then I'm going to turn over to Taylor. Father, this morning, just, uh, God, I, I pray that the word would just go to our hearts. God, we'd hear what you're saying to us. And God, we want, we know that you love us. We know that you love us with your whole heart. You gave us your son. You've just been giving and giving and giving. And Father, we want to be the people that respond to your love and out of trust and, and out of our own love. And God, that we would be givers. We would be tithers, God. We would be those that, that give back to you, just that portion. You deserve it all, but God, we give you that to remind ourselves and to show you that we love you. So God, we just thank you that you love us so much. You gave us your son. You gave us more than we could ever imagine. And we're grateful for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.